0: This is the Latter-day Strength Podcast, where we turn our weak faith into strength, and I'm your host, Steve Baer. We are turning our faith into the kind that allows us to pierce the veil, to receive knowledge from heaven, to experience great and marvelous things. (laughs) All right, this is episode 11. We're calling this Virtue of the Priesthood. This one's interesting, as I think all of them are, but you know, you might have a different opinion. But if you're here at episode 11, it means you've found some value so far, and if, they are, if you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to go back to episode 1 uh, and listen to them sequentially. All right, um, in the last episode, episode 10, we spoke about how many are called to receive knowledge, but few are chosen to have that outpouring of revelation. And why are they not chosen? It's because their hearts are set too much upon the things of this world that they forget this one crucial thing which is verse 39 and 40 of Doctrine and Covenants section 121. We have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men, and dare I say women, as soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. Hence, many are called, but few are chosen. And maybe it is just men. I don't know. You know, You know. sometimes we want to insert men and women into all the verses, but maybe maybe this is a man problem. The nature and disposition of almost all men is as soon as they get a little authority, they begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. I'm sure we can look at the history of the world and say, yeah, 99% of the time it was man. <laughs> um, anyway, not to go on man bashing, but I was doing some study of the origins of section 121 by looking at some source material in the Joseph Smith papers. Um, And what I found was the manuscript manuscript history of the church. That's how we have the section 121 presented to us. Uh, Here's a paragraph from the document from which section 121 comes from. But this paragraph is not included in the Doctrine and Covenants. So this is Joseph Smith speaking. When you go forth to preach and the spirit of God rests upon you, giving you wisdom and utterance and enlightening your understanding, Be careful that you ascribe the glory to God and not to yourselves. Boast not of intelligence, of wisdom, or of power, for it is only that which God has imparted unto you. But be humble, be meek, be patient, and give glory to God. Right there, that is an excellent synopsis of the attitude that the Lord wants from us as he reveals knowledge, continued humility, meekness, giving glory to God instead of boasting of ourselves. So now let's shift gears a tad bit and recognize that the verses in Doctrine and Covenants 121 have traditionally been applied to authority and to the priesthood. But I love to change out words here and there. I mean, i would be a terrible like contract lawyer. Like, yeah, let's change out that word. <laughs> but <laughs> in the case of uh, authority, what if you inserted other synonyms, like force, or clout, or influence, or prestige, or prominence, or even following. So yes, this is a series of verses uh, that speak specifically towards priesthood authority. But what if we take it to mean our own jurisdiction in any of our spheres of influence? That as soon as we get a little following in social media terms, or a little prestige that then we begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. Think about that for a second. So with that influence, with that following, it becomes tempting to exercise the kind of unrighteous dominion that places unholy exertion of influence on the minds, hearts, and spirits of our brothers and sisters. Maybe influencing people to listen to us instead of listen to the Lord. One of the things that I teach my clients, uh, especially with the ones that I work with alongside my wife, is that they need to tune in to the Lord. Um, That no amount of instruction or opinion or guidance uh, from us is worth as much as the alignment that they feel that what they are doing is in harmony with and is approved by the Lord. But can you imagine... The person who says, listen to my words, instead of listening to the knowledge that the Lord is willing to pour out upon the heads of the Latter-day Saints through the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, let me document in episode 11 that I am not doing this podcast seeking prominence in the Latter-day Saint world I'm doing this podcast for my own spiritual benefit first. Yeah, a little self-serving, don't you think? <laughs> but secondarily, the benefit of my children, and lastly, for the benefit of anybody who happens to listen. So whether this podcast lasts 50 episodes or 500 with 10,000 listens or 100,000, you can quote me on this, that I'm very, very aware of people who set themselves up for, as, to be a light to the world, the Book of Mormon describes that as priestcraft. Well, if you have ever heard someone saying, listen to me instead of to Christ, that person is practicing priestcraft. And incidentally, Doctrine and Covenants 121 gives us an antidote to said priestcraft. The antidote to someone who wants to pour forth their knowledge instead of the knowledge that comes directly from the Lord. So verse 41, no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned. So what does unfeigned mean? It's a fancy word for not counterfeit or fake. Verse 42, by kindness and pure knowledge. You know, there's that knowledge word from the last episode. "...which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile." Guile meaning craft or cunning or duplicity or de- deceit. Uh, for Verse 33, be, sorry, "...reproving betimes with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love toward him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be his enemy." In verse 44 that he may know that thy faithfulness is stronger than the cords of death so read a different way the powers of heaven and god's influence are maintained through persuasion long-suffering gentleness meekness love unfeigned true love you could say kindness and enlarging pure knowledge And so when you take inventory of the Lord's behaviors, it's very easy to say that the Lord persuades, he does not compel. He is long-suffering instead of quick to anger. He is gentle instead of harsh. He is meek instead of proud. His love is real instead of fake or counterfeit. He is kind, not mean. He enlarges our souls with pure knowledge through the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost instead of filling our brains with distraction and superfluous information. He reproves us, sometimes with sharpness, when it's expedient to get us moving, but then shows forth an increase of love so that we do not consider the Lord to be our enemy. He lets us know that his faithfulness is stronger than the cords of death or any threats of destruction. This is how the Lord shows forth love to us. And what does it cause us to do? It causes us to flow back unto the Lord. Without compulsion or compulsory means, it causes us to say, you love me? Well, I love you. This is charity. Loving God so much that we flow unto him. So as we review the next few verses, let's keep in mind this awesome quote from the prophet Joseph. A man filled with the love of God is not content with blessing his family alone but ranges through the whole world anxious to bless the whole human race. And remember, we're not talking about this being a love for humanity first increases our love for God, it's actually our love for God that increases our love for humanity. So verse 45, let thy bowels also be full of charity towards all men, or in other words, let your love for God Also fuel your love to everyone in the world, and let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. And then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God, and the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. Think about that word distill and the distillation process, which is meant to purify liquid, to condense liquid down into its purest form and extract and remove all the unnecessary parts of that liquid substance and when you think about dew and how that condensation process collects pure drops of knowledge on a plant it's a beautiful metaphor to the knowledge we spoke about in the last episode well let's talk about virtue this is actually brand new to me as I wrote this episode. In the New Testament, when the Lord is going through the crowd, and some uh, and a woman with an issue of blood touches the hem of the garment of his garment, and the Lord says, some, "Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me." That that phrase always puzzled me because I was like, "Well, how does virtue? How does the that?" Like moral goodness, how does that go out of the Lord, and and that you know that He notices it? Um, the footnote in the scriptures uh, for virtue says power. And when you look at the eighteen twenty eight Webster's dictionary, would you believe <laughs> when you look up vir- the word virtue, it says strength—that substance or quality of physical bodies by which they act and produce effects on other bodies. So, Latter-day Strength. (laughs) The third definition in the 1828 Dictionary says moral goodness, which I think most of us consider to be the meaning of the word virtue. So, just for kicks and giggles, let's replace the word virtue with strength. Let strength garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. And then what's the uh, 1828 definition of strength? Firmness, solidity, or toughness. The quality of bodies by which they sustain the application of force without breaking or yielding. So while virtue, moral goodness, and rectitude is certainly applicable here, the old definition of virtue instead gives us the word strength firmness, the ability to sustain the application of force without breaking or yielding. So the love of God in all men gives us strength so that we can have confidence in the presence of God. Let me give you an example. Have you ever been in a room with highly successful people? How do you feel? Do you feel strong or do you feel small? When you're standing in in a room with somebody that you perceive to be above you, do you shrink or do you stand with firmness? So thoughts to consider. All right. So then the Lord says, the doctrine of the priesthood will distill upon your souls like the dews of heaven. Well, (laughs) look at this other connection. Um No power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue or strength of the priesthood only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned. So the strength of the priesthood is found in those words that I just said. Persuasion, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, true love, true love, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) kindness Pure knowledge taught from heaven, and then reproving at times with sharpness as moved upon by the Holy Ghost. So clearly these admonitions apply to us in the capacity of our service to God within the constructs of priesthood. But I'd like to postulate that we cannot compartmentalize our lives. We ought not to. The way we preside in leadership capacities in church can also be the same way we influence others in our jobs, in our marketing, in our leadership roles, in our volunteer work, and most especially in our family life. In other words, a person applying these principles in their capacity as a relief society president or as a bishop cannot discard these same principles in their role as a social media influencer, as a business leader, and most especially as a parent. So let's check out verse 46, and we will see that when you exercise strength in leadership through the principles of persuasion and gentleness, etc., then you get this outcome. Verse 46, the Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion, giving you knowledge from heaven. That's my inserted words, but the, but we talked about the unspeakable gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that gives us knowledge from heaven. And thy scepter, an unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth. And thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion. And without compulsory means, it shall flow unto thee forever and ever. That's my dog. Why are you barking? <laughs> All right. The Holy Ghost will be our constant companion, and our scepter, our kingly or queenly sign of authority will be one of righteousness and truth, not some artificial man-made sign of prominence, not man's knowledge of truth, but God's knowledge of truth. So not your multiple degrees and your multiple (laughs) times walking down the graduation aisle. And then the best part. This is the best part. Thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion. So that word refers to supreme authority, as in God's supreme authority. So that's an awesome big-picture promise, but that doesn't mean as much to me as this. My dominion today, in the here and now, what is that? Well, my dominion, my kingdom, you could say, that I rule over, (laughs) that I preside over with Jenny is my home and my my children. So every other influence is transitory. Leadership is temporary, callings come and go. Wealth and positions of prominence in business end. You die, they replace you. (laughs) You retire, they replace you. But my role as a husband and as a father is eternal. So here's the promise. When we are filled with this love, when our strength in the priesthood mimics the qualities of the Savior, then without compulsory means, our dominion, our family, will flow unto us forever and ever. What does that word compulsory mean? Having the power or quality of compelling or applying force, driving by violence or constraining. So without compulsion, compelling, constraint, force, or threat of violence or destruction, our family will flow unto us forever and ever. That's what the Lord wants. That's the kind of love the Lord wants from us. That without compulsion, compelling, constraint, or any threats, we flow unto Him. And then By extension, when we apply these principles, our family can flow into us. So here are a couple final parting thoughts and testimonies. My sweet mother, she passed away in 2020, and she was the epitome of all of these qualities that give us strength in the priesthood. She was a widow for, let's see, 26 years before she passed away. So she exercise strength in the priesthood in her uh, capacity as a widow. She did not seek prominence nor authority over us. She had a pure love for her six children, her in-laws, and her 30-plus grandchildren. And without compulsion or constraint, we flowed unto her, and we will continue to flow unto her forever and ever. Now, my dad passed away in the mid-90s, like I, I talked about before when I was 12. His demeanor was much more outwardly influential than my mother's, but he too was gentle, loving, kind, upbeat, and caring. He sought for light and knowledge from the Holy Ghost. I love reading his insights from his writings, and I still find myself reaching out to to him for these experiences where I can be taught. I flow unto him forever and ever. My paternal grandfather had a much more harsh approach to parenting, but he was actually a very wonderful grandfather to me. So I've seen in, among his posterity, some of us flow to him without compulsory means, while another part of his posterity resents him for his harshness. My father-in-law's dad was 100% uninvolved in his life for various reasons that I won't go into today. Uh, He passed away without my father-in-law ever having the opportunity to speak to him. And yet, in a special experience in the temple, while my father-in-law did his father's temple work, he felt his father's tears of repentance. And without compulsory means, we flow unto him and are excited to see him on the other side. Contrast that with my father-in-law's mother, who was mean manipulative and even abusive we have no desire to flow unto her in her current condition and when she passed away it affected none of us and no one attended the funeral so here's my invitation be the kind of parent that your children want to flow unto without fear force compulsion or constraint let your latter-day strength be the kind of thing your children can lean on. One more thing. When we touch the Lord, we receive his virtue, his strength. If laying hold upon every godly thing allows us to lay hold upon the metaphorical hem of his clothing, we will receive his strength go into us. We will receive knowledge pouring into us. So now imagine if our children can flow unto us and touch us and receive Christ's strength while they are still developing their own relationship and testimony of him. In other words, they receive latter-day strength by laying hold upon us and then laying hold upon Christ and obtaining his strength. Of these principles, I testify In my weakness, Amen. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong.